Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Visit the Institute of Art, Design and Technology Dunleary Open Day on Saturday the 19th of November from 10am to 3pm. At the IDT Open Day, you can find out about our exciting new degree courses. You will get top tips on preparing your portfolio. IADT Open Day on Saturday the 19th of November. Create your future. For more information, visit IADT.ie. should be for the listeners that are 18 years of older as each episode may contain strong adult language and descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature that were told to me by the victims of the crimes or the criminals who perpetrated the crimes against the victims. Please use this as your warning. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. I'm Woody Overton, and I'll be your host. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to give a shout out to all the people who 
have subscribed and listened to our first episode, which we released last Friday, and the response has been overwhelming. We really appreciate each and every one of you that have taken the time to listen to the podcast and leave us comments and responses, and it's just been awesome. Uh, we now have listeners from coast to coast in the United States, the continental United States, including Hawaii and Alaska, and we have listeners from around the world, Ireland, England, all across the United Kingdom, Mexico, Brazil, South Korea, South Africa, a large following in Australia. We have New Zealand, just Germany, just too many countries to list. But we really, really appreciate each and every one of you and taking the time to listen. It's just been awesome and motivates me to continue to tell these stories. And I also want to give a shout out to 1096 Crime Chicks, the the true crime podcast and their host Amy who reached out to me and and we spoke this week and I've got to listen to their podcast very interesting stuff y'all if you get a chance give it a listen but that being said again we appreciate each and every one of you and let's get started today we're going to be talking about two murders committed allegedly by the same perpetrator these are the murders of Nelson Henson Jr. who's 33 year old white male from Southern Livingston Parish that's in South Louisiana. And remember, in Louisiana, we we are geographically defined by parishes and, and not counties like the rest of the United States. So so Nelson Henson was from uh, South Livingston Parish, which is a uh, geographically, it's basically almost swampland. The second murder is that of Mario Canessa, and he was from uh, the suburbs of New Orleans. And so when... January the 25th, 2007, I was working as a detective with the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And I was actually off duty. It was a Friday. I remember it. I was at home and I got the call from one of the detectives who was working a case on a missing person, that uh, missing person being Nelson Henson Jr. And they called me in and said, hey, Woody, look, we've been working this case on Nelson Henson, who's been missing for a week. And we have a guy that's a suspect, and we've arrested him on a narcotics charge, and would like you to come in and talk to him and see what you can find out about the case. So I drove to the town of Livingston, the Livingston Parish Courthouse, where my office was located. And my office was separate from the regular detective's office. It, It also doubled as my polygraph uh, exam room, and I am a state licensed and board certified polygraphist, not to be confused with polygamous, although I love my wife dearly, I certainly don't want more than one of her. I was the first polygraphist ever for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. So I went to my office and met Detective Ben Bourgeois, uh, a good, strong Cajun name, Bourgeois, and he came in and told me facts of the case as you knew him up to this point and what happened was Nelson Henson Jr. had gone missing the week prior uh, I believe on January the 19th he was at the Bayview Bar and Tavern which is a local establishment on the waterfront it's just a small swamp bar if you will and it's it's in southern Livingston Parish and it sits on Coyell Bay it's right at the foot of a bridge, and it's a big gravel parking lot. On the other side of the bridge is the Amy River. So it sits right where the Amy River meets Coyell Bay. And uh, Nelson Henson had been at the bar with his friend, Chris Allen David Hunt, 
who went by Chris, and they had been drinking, and uh, actually they were roommates at the time also and had been for about a month. But they were drinking, and witnesses reported that Chris Hunt sold Nelson Henson Jr. some Xanax and, and that they got into an altercation with each other in the bar and went outside and got into a fist fight. And there were many witnesses that saw the fist fight. Somebody called the cops and the nearest responding agency was uh, the town of French Settlement Police Department, which is a very, very small town, no red lights or anything like that. Basically, just a small, small community, and usually they only had one officer on duty at a time. And even though the Bayview Tavern was covered by the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, the when the 911 call came in, the closest officer to respond, uh, because Southern Livingston Parish is so rural, was the French Settlement Police Department. And the witnesses stated as they heard the sirens coming, uh, towards the Bayview Tavern that everybody went back inside and uh, that night was the last time anybody saw Nelson Henson or Chris Allen David Hunt. So Bourgeois said that Chris Hunt had been living with Nelson Henson on his couch for approximately a month since Hunt's wife had kicked him out of the house. Henson was nice enough to let him stay on his couch and he said that even though they had witnesses to the fights no one had seen Henson since and Hunt they questioned brought him in the question about it and he said Hunt was really stoic and and non-emotional about it and Hunt had been still at Henson's apartment for the week that Henson had been missing and driving back and forth to work in New Orleans every day uh, but didn't seem concerned that Henson was, was missing. And he said that they arrested him on the the drug charges, not because they weren't true, but, but basically they wanted to get him in and question him about Henson's disappearance. And that during the questioning, Henson just said, I don't know anything about it, haven't seen him. I left him at the Bayview after the fight when we heard the cops coming. I got in my truck and I left, and I drove to the town of Livingston to the gas station that was open at the time, it was called the Superstop. Uh, And he said, I bought a Mountain Dew and and some cigarettes, and I went home. Never saw him again, never heard from him. And he said, Detective Bourgeois told me, he said, Woody, this guy's a tough nut to crack. But we asked him, would he take a polygraph? And he said, yes. So I told Detective Bourgeois, I said, look, I'm going to play it like this. You know, y'all have already gone at him pretty hard. And he said, yeah, we we cranked it up on him pretty good. And he didn't give us any response. He just sat there, et cetera. It wouldn't change his story. And we even gave him the out of, you know, it could have been some type of accident, et cetera. And he won't budge. I said, well, bring him in and we'll do the old classic good cop, bad cop. I said, bring him in in handcuffs and I'll take it from there. I told Bourgeois that I would turn on the baby microphone. That's what we had at the time. We didn't have any closed circuit television or anything like that. We literally had a baby monitor. I think it was a Mattel baby monitor, um, which I kept the speaker part in my office, and they would sit in the other detective's office and listen to any interviews that I did. So I I turned the microphone on, and... He brought Hunt to my office and in the handcuffs, et cetera. And I, t- I told him, I said, why is he in handcuffs? And Detective Bourgeois said, because he's under arrest for narcotics distribution. I said, well, I mean, you bring him 
to me for a polygraph and take the handcuffs off of him. This is ridiculous. I don't understand why you're doing this. Why are you treating this guy like this when you know I'm about to interview him and give him a polygraph if he even consents to a polygraph? Detective Bourgeois took the cuffs off and left the room. And I shut the door and I told Hunt to have a seat. And I introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Woody Overton. I'm a detective uh, here for the sheriff's office. But I'm also a polygraphist. And I said, I want you to know, first of all, I don't have anything to do with this case, that Mr. Hunt. I said, I don't care what you do or have done or haven't done, et cetera. I said, what you have to do today is be 100% truthful with me, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting in judgment on you. And if you if you did something to this, this guy that's missing, then... We'll figure it out. I said, if you didn't and you and you tell me you didn't do it, then I'm going to believe you 100% unless when we get done taking the polygraph, the instrument shows otherwise, and then we can talk about that. I said, but I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't get more money if you pass the polygraph or if you even take the polygraph. And I said, but I'm, I don't want to be crude, but I don't care. And he's just kind of sat there looking at me. And Hunt was, I'd say he was close to six feet tall. He was skinny, kind of plain looking, nothing remarkable about him. And But he he had a stare, a look on his face. And, you know, I have hundreds of thousands of hours of interview and interrogation, and I'm watching him, reading his body language, et cetera. He wasn't being defensive. He didn't cross his arms or look away from me when I was talking to him or anything like that. He just sat there kind of like a bump on the log, like he really wasn't concerned about anything. So I told him, I said, Mr. Hunt, I said, can I call you Chris or, or what do they call you? I know your name's Chris Allen, David Hunt, but what do they call you? And he said, they call me Chris. I said, can I call you Chris? He said, yeah, you can call me Chris. I said, all right. So I told him, you can call me Woody. I said, we're going to be here for a while. And I want you to to know that this is a non-custodial interview on my part. I said, I'm you know, I'm not here to try to trick you or anything like that, and you're you're not under arrest by me. I said, in fact, you have polygraph rights, and under Louisiana law, you have to give me permission to give you the polygraph test. I said, and those polygraph rights are you don't have to answer any questions that you don't want to answer. You can stop the polygraph. If you choose to take the polygraph, you can stop it at any time. You can text, say, hey, I'm not taking the polygraph i said they can't do anything to you for refusing to take the polygraph and he just sat there looking at me and so i told him i said listen if, if you can my advice to you is if you can pass this test take the test if you can't pass it don't take it with me because you're not going to cheat me and you're not going to beat me um and he just sat there looking at me i said so i mean do you want to take the test and he said yes so i took out the uh, um polygraph rights form which explained everything to him and then a, a standard Miranda Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office Miranda rights form and consent or answer question form and we went over everything and he signed and, and said that he understood and he gave me permission to begin to conduct the polygraph examination and so I asked him you know we went through the beginning part who I was and and some then I start to ask him about himself in the pre-test interview. And I said, tell me about yourself, man. And he said, well, I'm Chris Hunt. And I said, and I said, I mean, you know, are you married? He said, I was married or I guess I'm te- technically I'm still married. He said, my wife kicked me out about a month ago. I said, okay. And where'd you go? And I said, you know what? I said, Chris, let's just do it like this. Paint it for me like a movie. Tell me why I'm here. 
because I, I act like I don't know anything because basically I don't. So you tell me why I'm here and then we'll take it from there. And he said, okay. He said, my wife kicked me out about a month ago and Nelson Henson was, has been a long time friend of mine. And I went to him and asked him, could I stay at his place? And he said, yes. And he said, so I've been sleeping on his couch for a month. And I said, well, do you work? And he said, yes, I work. He said, I'm, I'm a ship welder. And I said, well, ship welders make good money. I said, yeah, you haven't gotten your own place yet. And he said, no, I'm saving up my money. Uh, um, I said, but you do make good money, right? And I said, where, where do you work? And he said, I work at the Avondale shipyard on the other side of New Orleans. I said, okay. I said, well, what I know about uh, that type of welder, you, it, it's a good craft, it's a good trade, and you make good money. He said, yeah, I, actually, I do make good money, so I travel around the world. And I just got back a couple months ago from Aruba where I was welding there um, for about six months. I said, okay, so you're staying at, at Nelson's house, and, and what happens? He said, well, we went to the Bayview um, last Friday night, and we were having drinks and everything, and I wanted to leave, and Nelson didn't want to leave, and so we, we got into an argument, and I told him, let's go outside and fight. And then he said, we went outside, and we, we fist fought in the parking lot until we heard the sirens coming from the police car coming uh, down the highway, and he said, no, I didn't want to get in trouble. And he said, so I jumped in my truck, and I left. He said, that's the last time I saw Nelson Henson. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? 
You love that. You sound like, it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried AstroPro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? AstroPro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. AstroPro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. AstroPro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use AstroPro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to AstroProAllergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directive for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's okay. Well, yeah, that's simple enough. I said, so the polygraph is is pretty straightforward. You know, I said, I'm going to need to ask you a couple of relevant questions to determine whether or not you're being truthful about uh, leaving Nelson Henson at the at you know, at the bar. I said, I can't ask you, um, did you hurt Nelson Henson because you already said that y'all were in a fist fight and the purpose of getting in a fist fight with someone is to cause them pain no matter how temporary. I said, so the the first relevant question it might sound kind of harsh, but it's really why you're here and what the detectives want to know. And the, that question will be. Did you kill Nelson Henson? And he said, no. And I said, all right. And I said, the second relevant question will be an addition. It's just a little add-on to the first relevant question. And that question will be, did you kill Nelson Henson that night at the Bayview Tavern? And he said, no. I said, all right. And there's only one more relevant question that I need to ask you, Nelson. I mean, uh, Chris, I said, that is, do you know for sure where Nelson Henson is now? And he said, no, I don't. So I said, okay, that are those questions fair do you think they're fair and 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 just for me to ask you that and he said yes i said you know i I want you to understand i'm not trying to trick you or anything like that i agree those are fair and just questions and those that's the reason basically why you're here for a polygraph and he kept sitting there just looking at me with his dead blank stare on his face and so i asked him i said nelson i mean not nelson i kept calling him nelson and I, i was kind of doing that on purpose to try to get a reaction out of him to judge it when I say his name, right? Because through my experience, if you can uh, bring the victim back and foremost into the perpetrator's mind that they killed, generally they'll show some uh, facial emotions or something if they have any remorse. So I said, 
Chris, I said, do you, do you believe me when I tell you that, you know, I'm here working for you to clear you on this polygraph and this is not some kind of trick. And he sat up and he lifted both his arms up and outstretched towards me and he put his fists together and tattooed across his fingers, and I'll never forget it, tattooed across his fingers were trust no one on each of his knuckles. T-R-U-S-T-N-O-O-N-E. And he put them together and like almost in my face. And I was like, what are you trying to tell me, brother? I mean, he said, I don't trust anybody. I trust no one. That's the motto I live by. I said, okay, I get that. You know, I said, it takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. You don't trust anyone. Fair enough. I said, but I'm not going to ask you any surprise questions, et cetera, on this test. And, and I'm not here to harm you. I'm just here to get to, you know, to clear you if you're innocent and, and get you past this. And he said, okay. And, and so I went through the explanation of how the polygraph works, uh, off your body's physiology, et cetera. Um, and we reviewed the rest of the questions on the test. And then I attached them to the instrument and, uh, I asked him the questions I, I did what we call charts. I did three separate charts Well, I would ask the questions once and I would stop and take a break because he had the blood pressure cuff on his arm and it'd be a little tight. And that's why I'd let that artery rest for a moment. And before I asked the questions the second time, I would readjust my uh, instrument to whatever his body's physiology was doing or basically to balance out his nerves. Because as the test goes along, he would either get more or less nervous depending on whether or not he was telling the truth. Then I asked the questions the second time and that took the break. And then I asked the questions the third time and then I stopped uh, and, and I concluded the test. Why? And I told him in the pretest, I said, look, I don't score it as it's going along. I'm simply th making sure the charts are staying tr uh, straight and that you're not trying to cheat, et cetera. Well, I, I lied to him. You know, I, I've done thousands of polygraph tests and I could do the math on uh, the results as the charts are actually going along. But I tell examinees that I don't score as it's going along so they're not sitting there trying to look at me and see if I'm making any type of facial expressions uh, when they make answers to the relevant questions. So I called Detective Bourgeois and I had him take him out for a few minutes and I sat down and I did put a hand score on and he failed miserably or, or showed deception indicated to all three of the re relevant questions and uh, including did you kill Nelson Henson or did you kill Nelson Henson at the Bayview Lounge that night and do you know where he is where Nelson Henson is now for sure and so I told Detective Bourgeois and I said, look, I'm going to do my post-test interview and, and try to get something out of him. So I had him bring Hunt back in. I sat him down. I said, look, buddy. I said, straight up and honest, you failed, and you failed miserably. And he just sat there and he looked at me. I said, there's no doubt in my mind that you killed Nelson Henson Jr. And that no doubt in my mind that you killed Nelson Henson Jr. that night. And there's no doubt in my mind that you know where Nelson Henson Jr. is now. I said, on all three of those relevant questions, you showed huge deception indicated uh, uh, to 
in, in your responses to the, the questions. I said, your body doesn't lie. You know, I, just like I told you in the pretest when I was explaining how the polygraph worked, et cetera, there, there is no lie detector in this room. All this is is an instrument with some components that I attach to your body and um, uh, taking a picture of the inside of your body and your physiology and how it responds when you lie. Uh, and, and, I mean, you can't deny it. And he he sat there. He didn't. And he didn't deny it. When I told him he failed, it, I said, "I said, you got to tell me what happened, Chris." I said, "You got to tell me what happened, you know, uh, uh, so I can help you out." And he said, "I don't know what you're talking about." I said, "Okay, Chris." You, I said, "Do you remember the Polaroid cameras when uh, you the, you put the camera up, you take the picture, you push push the button, the film comes out." He sit there and you wave it around for a second. You blow on and the picture comes up clear. He said, yeah, I remember those. I said, well, if I give you a Polaroid camera right now and you take a, I say, take a picture of me. You take the picture. It comes out. You watch it come out. You blow on it. You, you, the picture comes clear. And you, if you were to look at it and give it to me and I'm, I look at that picture and I say, Mm-mm, that's not me. I said, that's just as ridiculous as you telling me that you didn't kill Nelson Henson. I said, your body doesn't lie. Your physiology doesn't lie. And you can't cheat it and you can't beat it. I said, so you get, you know, tell me what happened. And he looked at me and he paused for a second. And he picked up his hands again and he put them together almost six inches from my face with where the, the trust no one was staring me dead in the eyes that was tattooed across his knuckles. I said, okay, Chris, you can put your arms down. I said, I get it. I said, you don't trust anyone. I said, but I don't get a gold medal for getting confession out of you. I don't get anything. I said, matter of fact, it's a Friday night. I'm not even supposed to be here. I said, I'm going to take my time with you and because I want to help you. I said, I don't believe you're a monster. I don't believe you're a bad guy. That I think that's, you know, you and... Henson got into a fight and probably something happened and it was an accident and, and maybe he got hurt, something like that. And, and you, but you know what happened. I said, you have to tell me what happened and let me help you. You know, I said, I can be your go between, between those detectives out there, but you got to tell me what happened. And he looked at me for a minute and it was dead silent. I said, Chris, help me help you. And he said, he looked at me and he said, I killed him. He said, you're right. I killed him. I said, okay, tell me about it. He said, I I don't remember. He said, I I shoved him down on some cypress knees and um, I killed him. And y'all, cypress knees are, are, are stumps that stick up out of the ground that grow at the base of the cypress tree. And it's what allows those trees to grow into water. The knees are actually how the tree breathes and, and takes in whatever it needs to grow. So that they're like sharp, protruding uh, stumps, if you will, uh, stumps with points on them. And I said, I said Chris, you, you're telling me you killed him. You're telling me you shoved him down some cypress knees. I said, but what happened then? He said, I don't remember. I said, okay. I said, I mean, how can you not remember? I said, if if I shoved somebody down and I killed them, I certainly would remember. I said, you, you got to tell me what happened 
to Nelson's body. I said that he's been missing for a week. I said his family deserves closure. I said, I get it. You're in a fight. You didn't intend to kill him, but his family deserves closure, and you got to help me out. He said, Mr. Woody, I don't remember. And I said, all right. Um, and so I thought for a moment, and I said, you know what? I said, do you agree that I got the polygraph test right on you, that you showed deception indicated to those relevant questions? He said, absolutely, I agree. He said, I know I killed him. I know I killed him that night. <clears throat> he said, I don't know uh, where he is now. I said, okay. I said, well, what I would like to do is run another polygraph test on you. And it's a different type of test, Chris. I said, on this test, I want to ask you some questions, and I want to have you say no to every one of the questions. So no matter what the truthful answer is, in your mind, whether you remember it or not, I want you to say no. I said, so what I'm going to do is ask you different locations where his body could be, Nelson's body could be, and I want you to say no to each one of them. And he said, okay. So I, I reattached him to the instrument, and I made the questions up. And the first question was, did you bury Nelson Henson's body? The second question was, did you put Nelson Henson, Henson's body in water? And I asked that one because we're surrounded by water down here in the swamp, right? And third question I asked was, did you dismember Nelson Henson's body and distribute it in different places? And that was it. And so I, I asked him those questions on the test and I had him say no to each one. And he came back and he showed deception indicated when he said no, that he did not put Nelson Henson's body in water it, the polygraph test showed that he was lying or he showed deception indicated to that question. So I stopped the test and I told him, I said, listen, it's just as obvious, just like it was that you killed him. It's just as obvious that to me that you're lying when you say that you did not put his body in water. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, you're right. He said, I did put him in water. He said, I remember taking his body and pushing it in the water. I pushed him face down, and I actually watched him float away. I said, okay. I said, where did it happen? He said, I, I don't remember. Mr. Woody, I don't remember. So I, I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, you know what? This guy is not lying it, at least that he knows of, uh, uh, he's not straightforward lying to me, right? I, I believe he had some, at this point, I believe he had some type of mental issue. And so I told him, I said, listen, Chris, let's do another polygraph test. And this time I'm going to ask you about different bodies of water around here that you could have put Nelson's body in. And I'm going to call the, 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 the areas of water out by name. And I want you to say no to every one of them. Just like we did on the other tests. I don't care what the truthful answer is. I want you to say no. And he agreed. So I asked him, um, started the polygraph test. And I asked him, I said, did you put his body in Coel Bay? And that's the 
that's the bay that uh, is on one side of the uh, Bayview Tavern. And he said no. And I asked him, did you put his body in the Meat River? That's the river that's on the other side of the bridge from the tavern. He said no. I asked him, did you put his his body in the Blind River Canal? And he said no. I said, did you put his body in the Diversion Canal? And he said no. And as an afterthought, when it, when I was making the questions for the test, I was, you know, thought about uh, other bodies of water that were close to us. And I thought how he said he drove to New Orleans every day. And so in his driving to New Orleans, I knew he had to drive across the I-55 bridge in between Ponchatoula and Laplace, Louisiana, where I-55 meets Interstate 10 and Laplace just outside of New Orleans. So I asked him, as an afterthought, I said, I asked him, I said, did you put his body in the water at Manshack? And he said no. At the end of the test, he showed deception indicated to putting Nelson Henson's body in the water at Manshack. So I told him, I said, I said, Chris, you put his body in the water by Manshack. And he stopped and he gave me that dead stare. Looking for a new and healthier way to unwind? I was too. And then I tried Recess Mood. Recess Mood replaced that after dinner alcoholic beverage for me. So I saw a difference in both my mood and my belly. It's made with real fruit. It is only 20 calories and it contains no added sugar. Recess Mood is infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangovers. Recess Mood tastes great too and comes in four different flavors. My favorite flavor is the Strawberry Rose. So whether you need a moment away from the errands, work, and kids, or you just need a moment of chill during dinnertime chaos, Recess Mood is where it's at whenever you need to relax and unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash RLRC and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. He said, you know what, Mr. Woody, you're right. He said, I remember now. I said, okay, tell me about it. He said, I'll have to show you. Well, now it's, by this time, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, right? On uh, We've been testing for hours in, in, in the interview. I said, 
you telling me that you can take me to where his body is right now? He said, yes. He said, it's off the 55 bridge. Now, the 55 bridge, when I say that, y'all, it, this is like a 20-mile-long bridge between Ponchatoula and the Place. It's all raised over swamp. And it's all water underneath. There's two exits when you get on it from Ponchatoula, Louisiana, from the time the high-rise bridge starts to the exits in the Place. There's only two exits that he could have taken, and that is the Manchac exit which is about halfway down and that's uh where the pass north pass runs in between lake marlpaw uh on the right hand side which would have been closer to bayview tavern and then lake Pontchartrain, which is on the left hand side uh and sort of borders new orleans he said i can take you to it and i said all right so i I went and talked to detective bourgeois and we shackled him up, handcuffed him up, put him in the back of one of our unmarked vehicles, and we make the drive. And this is a pretty significant drive. It's probably 30, 40 minutes from the, uh, from the sheriff's office to Manshack. And so we get to Manshack, and he, he's there, and he hasn't said a word the whole time. And when we get to Manshack, I said, okay, we, you know, we're coming up on Manshack. He said, keep going. So we passed Manshack. There's only one exit in between Manshack and Laplace, which is probably a stretch of about 10 miles, and that's the Rudock exit, spelled R-U-D-D-O-C-K. Now, the Rudock exit is famous for everybody in New Orleans that kills somebody that wants to dump a body. They drive to Rudock because off that exit, there's nothing. There's not a shack. There's not a street light. I don't even know why there's an exit there, except for there's an old highway that runs uh, off of it. I mean, there's nothing there. People steal cars and take or take them out there and burn them or burn their cars out there for insurance reasons because there's, they know there's no cops period. I mean, if if you see a cop out there, it's, it's going to be a a trooper that's working speeders on the, on the high rise bridge. So we keep going towards Rudock and, we're coming up on Rudock. I said, I said, Chris, we're coming up on Rudock. He said, keep going. Now this night, y'all, it was cold and it was pitch black. There wasn't, it was cloudy. It was, uh, there wasn't a star in the sky and you, there's no lights on this bridge. You can't see anything. If you turn off your vehicle headlights, basically you're on the top of the swamp and you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. Right. So, uh, we keep going and there's only like five miles left before Laplace. And I said, Chris, I, I said, where is he? He said, keep going. He said, not yet. He said, I'm going to tell you exactly where it is. So we kept going. And then he said, okay, start slowing down, slow down, slow down. He said, right here. And, and where we stopped was at the six-mile marker, okay? The bridge from the beginning to end is every mile has a mile marker on it in the the six mile marker is in between root, the Rudock exit and the Laplace exit, and there's I mean it's probably it's probably a forty foot drop from the top of that bridge uh, to to the water to the swamp below. And he said right here, and so we stopped and we got him out, and I put my arm through his arm because I'm thinking this guy's going to jump off the bridge and commit suicide or something, right? I mean, I, but by this point, I just 
you know, the old cop senses in me. I, I know he's, he's thrown off. He, he's got some type of mental issue. And so we get out, it's pitch black. And, and, and I said, Chris, how can you tell me it was right here? He said, because I drove it every day to work and on the way back and the way there, I would look to see if his body had popped up yet. He said, and I dumped him at the six, right here at the six mile marker. So I got on the phone uh, with my dispatcher, uh, and I had him call St. James Sheriff's Office. That that's we're in a whole different parish now, right? Actually, we've gone through two parishes. We had to drive through Tangipahoe Parish into St. James Parish. Um, I said, call St. James and ask them have they found a body here in the last week. And when they, they connected me through to St. James Dispatch, and I, and I asked the dispatcher, I said, hey, I'm Woody Overton, the detective who lives in the sheriff's office, and we're looking for a body out here. Um, we have a guy that confessed to dumping a body at the six-mile marker. Um, have you all found a body this week? And she said, she said, yeah, they pulled a body out at the 5.9 yesterday. Well, that's a tenth of a mile from where Chris was telling me he had dumped the body. And with the, the uh, those are tidal lakes and, and swamps, and the tide comes and goes, and there's there's some current flowing through. So it, it, highly probable, right, uh, that, that his body could have floated in a week's time, could have floated or moved uh, a tenth of a mile. The dispatcher said that uh, a man from Mississippi that morning had been driving northbound towards Mississippi from Laplace and he said he was looking over the bridge is split you have a northbound lane and a southbound lane high rise and both of them uh, have two lanes each right so the bridge is split and there the, you can see swamp in between and then swamp on both sides and this man from Mississippi said he was driving north and he it was admiring the, the swamp scenery looking down and he saw what he thought at first must have been a floating sack of potatoes and then he, he pulled over, and he looked down, and he realized it was a body. So he called his uh, St. James Sheriff's Office. That he came out that day, that Friday, uh, uh, January, the, I think the 25th, and took the body out. And I'm like, and the, and the dispatcher told me, she said, look, the autopsy is in the morning in Jefferson Parish at, at the coroner's office. I said, sweet. So uh, I put Chris back in the vehicle. We take him to the jail. Um, and, and Bourgeois, detective bourgeois and them, uh, put him back in a cell, et cetera. And I went to Jefferson parish, uh, with detective Chuck Watts and, and for the autopsy the next morning was at eight o'clock. Now we've been up all night. We get there, uh, and the reason Jefferson Parish Corner did the autopsy is because St. James was, uh, was such a small parish. They didn't do their own autopsies. They don't have the facilities, et cetera. So they, all, everybody that dies or murdered or suicide or what have you, anybody that an autopsy has to be done on one, they send them down to uh, Jefferson Parish, which is is part, actually kind of like part of New Orleans. It's, it's a big metro, metropolitan area. So we we get there, we sign in, and we, we meet the uh, St. James detectives, and then we meet the the uh, forensic pathologist, the doctor. And so, we, you know, we suit up in the suits, and we go in, 
and there's the the body black body bags on the table and and we're all masked up and everything and i'm ready and, and uh, each body bag is sealed when they when they put the body in it they seal it with a, a identification tag with a number on it and it locks and you have to cut that seal at the beginning of the autopsy it maintains the chain of custody to evidence is it's a, a defense attorney can't come back later on and say somebody planted you know dna on the corpse or what have you so anyway they cut the 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 seal in the bag and they open it up and and this body had been in the water for for a while right and they open it up unzip it all the way down and i'll never forget it i'm I'm looking at it and now nelson henson was a 33 year old white male and i'm looking at the body of like a five foot six hispanic male definitely not nelson henson and then they rolled him over uh uh, the body is very badly decomposed swollen um and most people have to put uh mentholatum under their nose before they go in an autopsy on a floater like that and it never bothered me i didn't have to do it because i always breathe through my mouth and the smell doesn't bother me but it was bothering the St. James detectives and one of them was kind of gagging and I'm looking at it and and uh, when they rolled him over, he had a barcode tattoo across the back of his neck. This Mexican male did. And so I took a picture of him, et cetera. And I said, look, y'all, this isn't my guy. This isn't who we're looking for. Uh, This isn't who my guy confessed to killing and dumping at the six mile marker. And I said, we're going to have to go back and talk to him and, and see what he says. So we drive back to Livingston and get him out, bring him back to my office. And I sat him down and said, Chris, I said, you know, we, um, we went, I told you they found a body at the five nine and I went to the autopsy this morning. And when they opened up the bag, um, kind of got a surprise and he kind of looked at me with a puzzled look on his face. And I had taken some pictures, digital, uh, photos and I had printed them out before, Chris came into my office before they brought him from the jail. And so I laid out the pictures of, of the Mexican male in the body bag and you could still see the facial features, et cetera, but you definitely could see the barcode tattoo on the back of his neck. And I said, Chris, I said, who is this? And he looked at it for a split second. He said, Oh, he said, I killed him too. I said, all right. And, um, I said, Chris, I mean, what's his name? He said, I don't know his name. He said, but I killed him. And I said, okay. I said, exactly how many people have you killed, Chris? And he, he looked at me with that blank look on his face. And he said, I really don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, don't know what else to say here. I said, well, I mean, you know, where'd you kill him? And he went into the story of how he killed him at another bar down in uh, Southern Livingston Parish, which he ended up changing that story later on and, and blaming um, the Mexican male's death on Nelson Henson conveniently. So after that, the there were uh, Livingston Sheriff's Office and St. James, et cetera, conducted an exhaustive search of the area around the six-mile marker, and uh, Nelson Henson's body was not found. It, it was found a week or two later by some fishermen uh, about a quarter of a mile from the Bayview Tavern and um, where actually, uh, you know, where they had the fight. And when Chris said, I shoved him down on some Cypress knees, 
and and I grabbed his body and I shoved him out in the water and I watched him float away. Evidently, he was he was actually talking about the spot right there at the Bayview. So, fast forward, Chris Allen David Hunt was found not guilty, um, and I don't believe he was ever tried, even though he was charged for Mario Canessa's death out of St. James Parish. Again, that was I was already gone working as a criminal investigator, too, for the Louisiana State Police by that time, so I didn't really keep up on uh, those cases anymore and what happened because I had so many current cases that I was working. But I thought the story was interesting, and I hope you enjoyed it. I guarantee it's the only time in my career that I ever had a bad guy not only confess to one murder, but two murders, but on a dark, cloudy night, led me to the exact spot where uh, they pulled out another body just that morning. And I go to the, it's the only time I ever went to an autopsy in my police career where it was the wrong body and and that a guy confessed to killing both of them. Even though later on, like I said, he changed, uh, Chris Hunt changed his story and blamed the, the death of Canessa, Mario Canessa on Nelson Henson. He said Henson killed him and he helped, Henson disposed the body at the six mile marker uh, um, off the I 55 bridge. But that's it. We well, hope you enjoyed this episode. And real quick, we're going to do our rating on the Spinker scale. And I, as you know, or you may not know, if you haven't gone to the website, there's a clip on the website www.realliferealcrime.com. It says Spinker scale and it explains the Spinker scale. Uh, where I rate the bad guys on a scale from one sphincter to 10 sphincters, one being somebody who pretty much shouldn't even be in trouble almost to 10 being someone who deserves the death penalty. I've given this one some thought and I really believe that, uh, Chris Allen, David Hunt is throwed off mentally. I believe he is, I don't know what type of disorder he has. It's certainly, part psychotic I, I would guess so I, it doesn't excuse his actions I, but I, I firmly believe he killed both of them in that so I, I would give him an 8 out of 10 uh, on the sphincter scale he's definitely an asshole and he's definitely a killer that's it I hope you enjoyed this episode and we really really appreciate each and every one of y'all and let us know what you think uh, send us a message let, let me know what you think that Chris Allen, David Hunt should rate on the sphincter scale. Thank you. Until next time, we appreciate you. www.realliferealquote. And I'm your host, Woody Overton. Thank you for listening. Sugar in my coffee It make me
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.